Hello, welcome. Thank you very much for coming. Welcome to the Littleton Theatre. My name's Dan Rabelato. It's a great pleasure to introduce to you the author and director of Mr. Man, which has just opened at the Littleton. You'll see that we're not uh, on the Littleton stage. We normally are on the Littleton stage for these things, but uh, we want to keep the reveal of the set <laughs> from you, because it's a very good set and it's a very good reveal, which is why we're in this slightly unusual position. So let me, can I start with a question about starts, which is actually a kind of general question about you and writing, which is where do plays start from for you? Is that an image, something somebody says to you, a story you hear? Um, hello, everyone. First of all, <laughs> how are you? Um, they, they start in very, very, and it, 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 it's, it's always different. Um, I, I wrote a play called The Walworth Farce, and I had, a, I had an idea of a, four um, Irish builders trying to construct the uh, uh, London in their flat uh, using boxes. And, uh, and I thought, that's a great, that's a, that's a good image. Maybe I want to sort of spend some time on that. So I started with that. But then it didn't become that, because it would be really, really quite boring looking at four Irishmen building the skyline of London with boxes, like an art event or something. So, uh, so but I didn't want to do it. So, but it starts with very, very different places. And um, the, the new lecture ballroom, which is a play, play I wrote, uh, I, it started with the end. It start, I had this, this, this ending of, of um, two uh, old women looking at a kettle boil. And uh, I thought it was very, very Irish. And I knew, that, I knew what the strains of the play were. I knew it was going to be very sad and, and very um, lonely. Uh, and I just thought there was something really, if I could write to that ending and make that ending feel as if, oh my God, there are people in the auditorium who are just watching a kettle boil. But, 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 and, and there was just something in that. And with this, I think with Mr. Man, I, it's, it, it started off with, with a real event that I, I read about in the newspaper. I'm a city boy, but uh, in Ireland. And uh, I didn't, I, the, the Midlands and the countryside uh, were always sort of interesting to me on an unknown. So I wrote a play, my first play, Disco Pigs, which was very urban and cool and, uh, and all the rest. So I wanted to write something the opposite to that. I wanted to go out and Bally Angel was on telly at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to see what this sort of, uh, this English version of Ireland was. And I, so I took to my bicycle and, and I went out to the Midlands and, and, and went around there and I went, my God, it's actually, it's actually quite creepy out here. <laughs> and it's quite sad, but it was also very interesting. And I had lots of conversations with B&B uh, um, uh, uh, &B ladies, you know, bed and breakfast ladies and all that sort of thing. You'd arrive in the evening and they'd be like, so are you having the breakfast? Are you, are you having the breakfast? <laughs> I don't bloody know. I've just, I've just arrived. <laughs> will you have the hot breakfast though? You will. And all this sort of thing. And, and it was all completely unknown to me. And so I spent sort of two months there, three months there, and there was a, there was a case in Ireland at the time of a very sort of, a very sort of um, harsh, terror. I can't go into it too much because people who are going to watch this play are then, are then going to go boom, but it was a very sort of dark sort of event and a, a dark story. And whatever happened in that story, I wanted to use it, and I came back and I wrote Mr. Man, this sort of rural, effectively sort of what looked like a sort of, to, to me, a, a rural, my version of what a thriller might be, except on stage. And uh, the play's just uh, opened here. Yeah. Um, it's just come from, a, I think, a month, you said, in New York. Yeah. It opened at the Galway Festival almost a year ago. Uh -huh. uh, but actually, it's got a, an even longer history, hasn't it? Because, yeah. because there was actually a, a shorter 
earlier version that you wrote, I think, in about 99, something like that. Yeah, um, I think so. do, you want, do you want to say something about that first version? And yeah. do you remember writing that and what that was about? I do. I do remember writing it. And I think I was a much sort of younger sort of man than what I was. And maybe sort of, uh, I don't know whether I've improved as a playwright, but I, I think, but, uh, but certainly back then, I wrote it too, too, too sort of on the nose. And um, it was, uh, I basically told the story too clearly, I think. And there wasn't much sort of air in it. Uh, and this time around, and, and I performed it myself, which was an absolute disaster <laughs> because I'm not a good actor. And uh, uh, I ended up in bloody hospital. I was just, because the piece is just crazy. It's insane and, and sort of exhausting. And, uh, and I couldn't distance myself from it. I just wanted to get it completely right because uh, I don't do anything by half measures, as everyone knows. And so uh, I, I, so, I, so it, it nearly sort of killed me. But there was something in the character that was beautiful and lovely. And um, you thought you put somebody else through? I thought, yes, <laughs> I'll put one of my best friends through this. <laughs> and uh, he deserves it. And, uh, uh, no, actually, in fairness, actually, no, he came to me two years ago. And he's been looking for something, Killian, who does, does a lot of movies, uh, was uh, looking for a play to do. And, uh, and we live, I live in Kilburn and he lives in Queen's Park and our kids sort of go to the same childminder as sort of, you know, it's all very sort of, you know, tight and uh, all this sort of carry on. And basically he read it and he went, well, what about Mr. Man? You know, we never see one another and it's ridiculous. You're working too, you know, and we're always away and we, and it's true, we never see one another. So we, we thought, well, let's actually do it. At least we actually see one another because we know be in a rehearsal room. So we booked the tricycle rehearsal room and uh, for a spell, um, so because it's 100 yards from my house. <laughs> and, uh, and really, I went at the play again, and I reframed it in a different way, where before it was, it was too clear. I knew that I wanted the audience to feel very, very present in the moment, really sort of like anxious about, oh my god, well, it, this feels really directionless. But this character on stage knows what he's doing, and he knows where he's, he's going with this. But we don't yet. But then the story become, comes at you a little bit later than what you're sort of used to, maybe. So um, but hang in there, those who haven't seen it, because it does come. And then it comes really hard and quick. And uh, so that's the sort of big difference. You know, it's just the confidence, I suppose, of just going, you know what? I think I know when to throw a card. And you know, like, I'll think I'll, I'll, I should throw it then. So it's that sort of. Uh, Can I ask you, uh, if, uh, stick on the, the experience of performing the play. Was that the first, your first experience of performing in your own work? Uh, I, did a, um, I did a really, really, really bad play of mine. And, uh, but but I, was, I wasn't too bad in it myself. But it was just a really flawed play called The Ginger Ale Boy. But it shows something that I had maybe that I liked words or da 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 da. So I did have some sort of experience. But anyway. But did it, well, did it teach you about your writing? And did it change the way you write? Yeah, completely, and uh, it completely did. I mean, I, 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 and that was, the, that was the reason to do it, in fairness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I'd written this play 15 years ago and, and made some sort of noise and started traveling around the world, but I still didn't know what the hell a playwright was. So I thought, well, if I acted in, in this Mr. Man thing, maybe actually I'll, I might be able to feel the play around me and feel how the mechanics of it work. And, and I did that, and I also worked with much older actors at the time, just to sort of see what they were doing and ha what their process was. Um, yeah, I, ten I tend to always do that, I think. I sort of surround myself with people actually who know what they're doing. 
and then sort of like you know, and then actually I'll make it up sort of as I as as I'm going along. But yeah, it did. No, what it did sort of teach me, and what I've been doing, I think, all the time is that I like plays that are are in the second and that are powered from the stage, that are very very actor driven, that where an audience sort of have to learn the rules, the language, the logic of the play, very quickly at times, mm -hmm. and that you're. Your narrator and your protagonist is, you have to, you're stuck with them. And you're stuck with them in a sort of like, in a, I, I can only write in real time. I don't think I've ever written anything sort of, I can't do sort of stage time and, and geography. I, I, I just don't understand how that works. So the plays tend to be sort of actually an hour and a half in someone's life. And, uh, you know, and a very sort of special full on hour and a half it is, or two hours or whatever it is. So it just it taught me about actually just powering the moment, but also just just having the confidence to go with a character. Mm -hmm. And there's something about actually watching one man when this curtain opens and you go, <laughs> is that all we have <laughs> as an audience? That an audience really sort of just have to just go, all right, that's 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 who we have now. You know, that feels very strong, very delicate. And, and so I mean, taking you back to that rehearsal space in in Kilburn. Mm -hmm. um, did you go into that process having rewritten the play, or did you actually work with Killian on 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 the the second version? No, I, I rewrote I rewrote it and reframed it and found a sort of a, a new frame to it. Mm. I think where before it, it was a sort of the, the play was a sort of theatrical construction and it was a very sort of you know look at me you know sort of thing. This is actually much more real and it's of the world, although it becomes a, a another thing entirely. But you feel as if it's actually for me that it's. It's set in a, a factory or a warehouse in the middle of Ireland, an abandoned sort of warehouse in the middle of Ireland, you know, like, an, and someone is there trying to sort of live their life. But it very, very quickly becomes something, something else. But yeah, it was written, and we just sat down in my, in my kitchen, drank loads of cups of tea, and, and, and just read it and read it, and da da da. And, and then I got, there's lots of voices in this show, you know, there's lots of, um, uh, uh, other voices of the, of the people from the town, and uh, they're basically actor pals of mine who I rang up and said, you know, would you come around and have some tea and biscuits and record this? And we recorded a, a, a lot of it in my, in my, in my kitchen, so, right. so anyway. <laughs> I mean, and of course you, you've directed this as well as, mm -hmm. as, as writing it, and directing and writing are often thought to be very different ways of thinking about a text. In this production, let me put it like this: Did the writer and director get on in this? Uh, yeah, I think I think I, I think I, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. You know, I mean, making work with a really really good friend is an amazing thing to do. Right. You know, like we had like incredible trust there. We know each other. We have a similar sense of humour. We got to the work really quickly. I mean, the week done actually when we actually did just chat around the kitchen table, we went in and we just ran at it straight straight away, and it was. We just knew what, the, what we wanted to do, la la la, all this type of thing. And also, you know, we sort of got really confident about the work because really what it was, was we just, we just completely immersed ourselves in Thomas, in the character. And we just went, listen, it's just his point of view. Mm -hmm. Just get the hell out of the way and just allow him to tell his story. Mm -hmm. And so that felt like a really, it felt really, really free. Mm -hmm. And you know, the language in it is his, it doesn't feel like mine particularly. And 
you know, this, this sort of sense of humour became sort of his, and we, we would laugh at him at times, and then go, oh my God, look what he's trying to say, and all this sort of carry on. But you know, like, like when you were, you know, you know, when you write plays, and, and, and you could, characters just come at you, but I just like to, and what we did was just get the hell out of the way and just give in to this, and then try to find a physical language for it. Mm. So Buster Keaton, who I'm a huge fan of, became a huge part of this piece, mm. you know, for me. I find him hilarious, of course, but like just desperately sad. And the notion of a, a small man on the biggest stage that the Littleton has ever, <laughs> ever had would just seemed very interesting to me, where every sort of movement really mattered, where at any point the character could just evaporate or just explode or sort of or whatever. But, but this pure sort of active moving sort of became really, really important of just keeping the story going. It came sort of really anxious, but really kinetic and, uh, and really powerful, I think, for Killian and for Thomas to sort of to play, you know, that yeah. sort of just that drive to keep on sort of creating story as he does. And the Buster Keaton reference, I think, is, is really interesting because, of course, um, another famous Irish playwright who loved yeah. Buster Keaton, Samuel Beckett. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you cut, and watching the play, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is, a lot of people have had this association. Yeah. Put a man alone on stage with a tape recorder and you yeah. do think of Samuel Beckett. But then there are also, there are, there are, there's, a, there's a wonderful early radio play, I'm sure you know, called All That Fall, yeah. uh, which is structured entirely on somebody's day out. Yeah. Basically goes to the station, comes back. And I thought of that as well, and I, I wondered whether you, whether you were conscious at all that there's a sort of, there's a tip of the hat in some way to... Oh, I think there's like all, the, uh, yeah, there is certainly, but there's all to, to all, in any work that I've sat down with, I feel the, the company of a load of Irish playwrights, mm -hmm. you know, right back to Busico, and I can sort of see that here, you know, of just like the spectacle of going, oh my God, you know, yeah, of that, yeah. of actually like, so, and yeah, and Beckett and, you know, I, well, I don't know. Like, I, I can feel, I can feel, you know, a lot, a lot of Irish playwrights in that, in that piece. But that's just the way yeah. it should be, sure. you know. Like, I mean, I'm a, a lover of, you know, and and I respect all those, you know, writers sort of, you know, before me, of course. But you can, you can feel them around you, and, you know, I can see images in other plays of mine of, you know, the person at the door, which is a great sort of image in <laughs> Irish theatre, you know, like of yeah. just of changing the course of the play because someone's just opened a door and it's like. <laughs> It's quite sort of incendiary. And I do a lot of work in Germany, you know, and the Germans just go, hey, Endo, what is this sort of family drama stuff you keep on doing? And I was going, what are you talking about? It's the, it's the only thing that Irish people do, you know? We absolutely <laughs> annihilate family and try to understand who the hell we are, you know, like, you know, based upon sort of that a lot of the time, you know? So it's all, you know, I, it's a big sort of like, you know, echo sort of chamber room, you know, of all those ideas and voices. I and mean, I'm just a part of it, so I can feel. And I'm very, very happy to be, to have all those other playwrights around there, you know. I think what's, what's very interesting about that, of course, is that it, it, well, it always strikes me as, as interesting that very, very often, so often, plays that have enormous international success are very often plays that are absolutely rooted in one place and time. Yeah. And, and of course, this is a, a play that has, as I said before, you played it in Galway, you've played it in New York, it's, it's now in London. Yeah. Um, I, I just wonder if you if you'd noticed or felt there was anything you could say about the different kinds of meanings it accumulates in, in different places. Do you think it speaks in a different way in Galway 
than it does in... I don't think it does at all. Right. Which is so great. <laughs> it was so great. And the audiences here have been amazing, actually. But, but then it's a brilliant... We've played it in three... We played it in two... Uh, uh, well, like in our, initially, uh, we did it in the Galway Arts Festival and uh, in this warehouse. And uh, people thought I was insane. I said, can we do it there? And it was like it was three times wider than this <laughs> stage, but it wasn't as deep. And then we played it in sort of St. Anne's um, warehouse in, in New York, which was sort of, again, double the size of the, the width, but a bit sort of like, you know, this sort of carry on. And people have, people have sort of just had the same reaction. I think you attach yourself to the character and you, you just go with them, you know, like you, you sort of, of course they know that type of character, but I think they really, well, hopefully, I mean, the people who do sort of attach themselves will really begin to care about them very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I hope. I hope you do. Um, I mean, I suppose one thing that, you know, strikes me about it that, of course, reads perfectly well here, but there are things like the catechism as, yeah. a, as a kind of device. And, and watching it, I was sort of very struck that that notion of, of a, a learnt, repeated attempt to, I don't know, make a thought go in mm-hmm. is not only part of the rhythm of your language, but actually it's almost the structuring principle of the whole play, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And is that, I mean, is that something you discovered in the course of writing? Um, no, um, no, but that's a really, really good point, and I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to pretend that actually that, that, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't. I mean, I, you know, I, I, do, I, I, I do like characters who, sort of, who, who need that sort of uh, repeated sort of behaviour mm. again and again. I find that daily sort of like strain in my own life, that sort of getting up in the morning and going, God, I can't believe I've got to live another day. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I'm a both, I'm a both sort of, I, I both hate it and then sort of like, and then, and then immediately go, actually, yeah, no, I'm ready for it. I'm, I, I, think, I, think I'm re- I think I'm ready for it. I fall between terrible sort of depression and real sort of elation that actually I get to actually live in a house you know, right. and have a kid, and you know, a lovely wife, and da da da, and all that type of thing. But also go, God, I can't believe I have to carry on. It's exhausting <laughs> this life. So that's what tends to happen with the characters. Not in this production, though. Not, I mean, Thomas doesn't do that. He's incredibly positive, you know. And I would love to have his sort of his incredible sort of positiveness, mm. you know, like despite the fact, you know, that well, where the hell he travels to, what happens to him, mm. he just everything is like, oh yeah, it's fine, everything's grand. You know, I don't have that. <laughs> it's interesting that because um, I think in the introduction to the to plays one, the first collect, uh, the collection of your plays, um, you you talk about the the first version of this, and you say that it's it 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 has an influence, or I can't remember the exact phrase. I've got it here actually. Yes, yeah, so the play went on to influence later plays, mm. and I was struck by exactly that thing you were you were saying there about the, the war with farce and new electric ballroom and so on uh, and this uh, in a sense feature these people who are sort of it's like some traumatic moment of loss or disappointment leads them to compulsively repeat I don't think for us you're right about that but I don't think Thomas actually sort of like I, I don't think he's he, he's not repeating anything uh. I think this is what, what what he does is completely live and it's live to him. But in the past, yeah, I mean, but it, it did influence the later plays in that they're both memory plays. They're both about actually sort of like, or they're, they're, there's three of them. I think three of my plays are about trying to, trying to just rewrite history and rewrite memory and all that type of thing. I mean, you feel that. I mean, I come from a family of six, and I don't know what the truth is. 
<laughs> you know, in our family, in our family history. And, I, I, and that's sort of fascinating to me, you know, you know, that the people who I'm sort of, you know, who are my sort of flesh and blood, I actually don't know what they thinking <laughs> and what, what the truth is and what sort of, what, what our shared sort of, you know, history is and all that type of thing. And, you know, all that, all that sort of thing. With, 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 with Thomas, it's like he has, he has a day, but this is, this is about, well, what is it about? Is it about playing the day or rewriting the day? He's a very sort of, he's a very sort of untrustworthy sort of uh, uh, narrator at times, mm. but very winning at the same time. <laughs> um, you, uh, I want to ask you something as well, I suppose, about culture and, and, and the way that works. You were born in Dublin. Mm. Uh, kind of famously, you moved to Cork, and it was that moment of displacement. <laughs> yeah. And, and of sort of, I suppose, I think you've said in an interview somewhere, it's some, finding a new kind of language around you. Yeah, definitely. That unlocked some kind of the creative urge, which led to yeah. Disco Pigs, which is kind of a weird love letter in some ways to, to, to the language of Cork. Um, you now live in London. I wonder yeah. if that kind of that second sort of displacement, whether you felt that that also had an effect on your yeah. attitude to language. Definitely, it does. And now I feel like I need to move again. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, like, to, but uh, no, no, it really, really helps me. I'm not going to move. I, I, I absolutely adore being completely invisible in London. And sort of what, what happened with Cork and moving from Dublin to Cork is a big deal for, you know, a Dubliner. It's a bit like, it's like you're moving to where? <laughs> you're moving to Cork. And then you arrive in Cork and you realise, oh my God, people are really quite sort of, I love the place. Well, first I got, I got out of the car and it sort of shocked me. I went, oh my God, they, what are they saying? What, what is that? This, this language, this dialect was so thick. And, and I loved it. And I loved the shape of the city and the sort of, you know, the, the way it sort of looks in on itself. And, and people are really, you know, they're, they're, they can talk. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very sort of inarticulate person and I apologize for keeping, <laughs> keeping you here for, for this amount of time. But people in Cork are hugely articulate and in Limerick as well. They're wonderful sort of, you know, talkers. And, uh, and I found that sort of fascinating. Um, so I went there as a sort of, you know, clueless sort of guy in his sort of early 20s. And uh, with, with not an idea really, just to think, oh, maybe I'll be an actor. And, uh, and found this language and found this geography and thought, Jesus Christ, I'm actually going to write about this place because I adore it. And, you know, and it's just already really, really dramatic to me. Mm. But when I had to leave Cork because really, I could, well, first of all, I married a London girl. But, but, you know, but also I, I knew I had to actually sort of like artistically. It was a really, really important thing because everyone knew me. And, and I didn't particularly sort of like that. You know, like, and they sort of they knew I was a writer, and da, da, da. so I moved to I moved to London to disappear and mm -hmm. all that sort of business. And they and that influenced a string of sort of plays. I think just that sense of being feeling really, really, uh, yeah, like you don't exist really. I think London can do do that to you at times, mm -hmm. but you feel so small. And and yet, you know, it's fascinating, sort of hugely sort of kinetic and all the rest. Um, can I ask you about the title? Um, do titles come to you first? You know, some, some writers kind of go, I stop, you know, I mean, famously, you know, uh, Akeborn, I think actually, that's, he comes up with the title and then he thinks, right, I've got to write a play now. Yeah. Um, do, do, He's a genius. Do you, um, <laughs> do you, how did the title for this come from? Uh, Mr. Man, I think, is something that you say when you go, you know, so, you know, uh, what's his name, um, so-and-so, uh, Mr. Man. 
It's yeah. sort of it's it's that sort of thing. You know, Mr. Man. What are, uh, you know, it's 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 a really sort of uh, very polite derogatory way of not using someone's sort of name. So, uh, and I don't know. I, n I never know what sort of comes first. Sometimes it just kills me. Actually, trying to ring out a thing. You know, the the Walworth Forest came really quick. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Disco Pigs was a dr was a dream. It's a ridiculous <laughs> title, but uh, uh, but anyway. Um, and this is going to be my last question before I hand it over to you. But uh, it actually, it's about the the kind of physical realization of the of the play, because as you say, there is a kind of uh, a great joke in a way that mm. the biggest set you've ever seen in the Littleton mm. uh, has is a one man show. Yeah. Um, but uh, is that? It, I don't know how you did it the first time. But, I mean, I presume it wasn't away, on yeah. scale. It was. Oh, it was. It was. It was just longer. It was just wider. Oh. Yeah, but that's all. Do you mean? Oh I mean, no, no, no. When I did it, yeah, that's no, right. it was bloody small. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. But then you know, it wasn't the same sort of play. Right. And really, you know, like and actually, sort of reimagining it, it was part of it. Was of course, of course, it was. And actually, you know, in fairness, looking at sort of like some of those Buster Keaton things, of course, it was all about a man and environment. There's also Buster Keaton movies where he's being thrown out of a house, where the house sort of expels him. It's like <laughs> it sort of coughs him out a window, and all this sort of carry on. And and that's sort of like you know that the environment really sort of attacks him. Right. And that became sort of interesting to us, the notion of actually this man has to control this. Mm. And he's like, how is that possible? And yet, you know, like, he sort of, he, Thomas do, does, you know, and, and so it's a, it, it becomes a sort of a two-hander effectively between Thomas and, and the building and how, and who has the power. Effectively. I'm afraid that really is all we've got time for. We have to get ready for the show, but can I ask you to join me in thanking Ember? Thank you, Ember. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoy the show.